Welcome to episode 146 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. If you haven't booked your ticket yet, I want to urge you to join me at a big afterlife event in Arizona this coming September 15th through 17th, 2017. Most of the cutting-edge investigators about the world of the afterlife will be there, and you don't want to miss it. And I don't want to miss meeting you. I would love to meet you face-to-face. So if you're interested, please go to afterlifestudies.org to find out more. Today on the show, we have a highly sought-after keynote speaker and master trainer of NLP and hypnosis. Her name is Carol Talbot. For more than two decades, she's helped thousands ignite their creativity and greatness. She is the author of Hitting the Wall and Breaking Through, and her latest book is called You, the Divine Genius. In this book, Carol explains that there's a huge intelligence network that lies within you that you can discover and tap into. Carol's website is caroltalbot.me. So Carol Talbot, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you, Sandra. And I'm delighted to be here. And I was delighted to hear that it's episode 146 because I did a quick calculation. That's an 11 number. So that's quite auspicious. Well, I don't know too much about 11 numbers. Well, well, you know when often people see um, 1111 on their uh, watch or their clock, right. um, which is said to be a sort of indicator that, you know, something's happening in their life. There's an awakening going on, so to speak. Hmm. Yes, I know of that number and I that and the number 333 I see very often. And so good to know. Okay, well, here we are. Here we are. So, Carol, would you mind telling us a little bit about you, maybe where you are today, and um, how did you get into the wonderful world of human discovery? Okay, well, I'm, as people can probably hear from my accent, I'm English, um, and I've retained that uh, that accent despite the fact that I've lived in the Middle East, in Dubai specifically, for about 26 years. Certainly wasn't the intention, sort of came for a one-year contract, and one year led to two, to five, to ten, and then one day I woke up and it was like, oh, um, and it's a wonderful place to, to be in terms of all the different cultures, beliefs, uh, religions, um, you know, uh, some people's perception of the Middle East is it's very strict here. Um, the United Arab Emirates is a little bit different from uh, other parts of the Middle East. It's quite liberal here. And I, I always feel very privileged because they honor when we celebrate Christmas, uh, whether we have the uh, Indians celebrate, celebrating Diwali, all the different traditions. So uh, it's quite a unique place to be in the world in terms of understanding different cultures and, of course, different people's beliefs in the afterlife. Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, I'm so used to living in America and we have our own set of beliefs, but to actually witness a whole different culture and find the common threads to them. Um, and now you're not your books and what you've been up to, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnosis, you lead large seminars and workshops, and I believe you work with people individually. Maybe you can talk just a little bit about your business before we get into the afterlife conversation. Okay, well, essentially, Sandra, um, most of my friends know me as a course junkie. (laughs) (laughs) I love learning. I'm a seeker, searcher, explorer, traveler. Um, and so I know I, I always say to people, I, I've read thousands of books, continue to do so. And I've also been on a lot of courses, what I call a lot of the ologies and therapies. But what I found was that some of the courses work some of the time for some of the people and not all of the time for all of the people, you know, and I, I wondered if somewhere out there, there was a kind of like, you know, there was a sort of one size fits all. Um, and yet we are all unique. And so when I came across NLP, I remember, and by the way, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, bit of a mouthful. Um, Best way for me to describe it is as the user manual for your mind. It's how you work as a human being. Um, And when I came across it, I I knew I'd come across something different. And I knew that because I, I took quantum leaps forward in my own life, both personally and professionally. So, you know, I immediately signed up to go sort of the whole route so I could share these tools and techniques with as many people as possible. 
And I still believe, you know, even though I've been running these seminars and workshops for a long, long time now, um, the people are always different. There's always more to share um, in that it's such a good foundation, you know, in that we didn't come come with a manual or maybe we did and we forgot it. Um, and so, you know, some people are floundering and not understanding why they have certain patterns of thinking and behavior or responding in situations. So getting to know your unconscious mind and your conscious mind and also different brainwave states of how you can access different information, how we work as a human being. You know, personally, I think it's a great foundation program for everybody uh, you know, period in life um, to understand how you work, how you communicate to yourself, how you relate to other people. And the great thing about it is it has some very quick change techniques. I always think about, you know, think about a plug in a socket. If you put a plug in a socket, it's going to respond or the energy is going to come through in a certain way. Uh, all good and well if it's working. But if it's not working, you really need to take the plug out of the socket and plug it into a new socket. And if you think we've got billions and billions of neural connections running inside of us at any given time, and some of those neural connections get us the results that we want, and some of them don't. So be able to, to literally be able to pull the plug um, out of those neural um, connections and get neurons to wire and fire together in a new way, quickly and rapidly, is really wonderful. And, and I so enjoy seeing people really, you know, taking control of their life and, you know, finding new ways to relate to people, to have the relationship that they wanted to, you know, get the motivation that they need to set up their business. I'm very blessed in the people who attend our programs, uh, you know, really, you know, because as a trainer, as a facilitator, as a speaker, you know, we can only open the door for people. And isn't that really what you're doing, Sandra, with this beautiful show and concept that you have to open the door for people to listen and learn and grow and hopefully switch on some light bulbs that encourages them to step out and go and find out a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. And it's transformational. I I know what you mean about being a seminar junkie. And although I haven't read thousands of books, I have attended many, 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 many um, really great seminars and some not so great in workshops. Yes. But one of the common denominators I find is that once you leave the event, it doesn't stay real. And I do remember uh, going to a, a workshop on NLP, I think it was last year, and just some of the uh, visualizations we went through. And, um, and although it was only a, a weekend workshop, what I loved about it is that it it seemed like I had new habits that were autopilot and it wasn't one of those things where it just felt good during the weekend. So well, life-changing. beauty. Yeah, that's the beauty. You're kind of discovering what lies beneath the hard drive, um, you know, of you yes. and recognizing patterns and behaviors where, you know, 95% of us, you know, is driven by those patterns already installed at the unconscious level, right. you know, and, and okay, so your conscious mind is the gatekeeper. But again, this is where a lot of personal development programs are only focused um, on, you know, it's good, as you said, it's good while you're there, but you're only making changes at the conscious level. And that's hard work as well. That's, you know, where it takes 20 days to make or break a new habit and it's hard work. And whereas when you're working and, and partnering with your unconscious mind, you know, change can happen in an instant. It really can. Um, so it does have a ripple effect in many areas of your life. Mm. And it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah, maybe <laughs> at the end of the episode, if you're willing, you could lead us through a, maybe a brief visualization. Would you be willing to do that? I'll see. <laughs> yeah, if not, it's okay. I know you have some resources that we can talk about uh, at uh, the end. If I do have some resources, actually, which um, there's some wonderful visualizations mm. which people can download um, from one of our websites. So I'll, I'll give you the link for that maybe okay. easier yeah plus we want to talk about life after death and empowering uh, us all to have a powerful life as that's the, usually the context of this show so uh carol um why do you believe that we don't die uh isn't that a wonderful question mm -hmm. <laughs> and i know you've done some various things so i know that's a, a big question but um 
yeah, I, I do believe you believe that there's more to us than meets the eye, and and um, and, and so do, uh, I mean, if you look at the statistics, Sandra, um, you know, most religions and most cultures believe in some sort of life after death. Now, obviously, there's some people, a lot of people out there, and maybe a lot of your listeners are clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. Um, you know, so they have that psychic. Uh, experience and know there's more and know or have connections with people on the other side. I'm not clairaudient, clairsentient, clairvoyant. Um, I'm what, what people tend to call a knower. And it's when you just know in your gut um, that something is. Hmm. So it's never been something that I've had to really question okay. very much. It's just something that that is for me. And I always remember, um, this goes back when, to when I was leaving um, the UK. I didn't know I was going to be leaving the UK. Um, and I'd been through a very challenging fa- uh, phase. And I'd started going to a group um, called the Brahma Kumaris, kindest people I've ever met, Sandra. And I, I used to get up uh, about 4.35 in the morning, drive a long way to get there. You had to go through certain classes before you could join their sort of regular meditations. And just everything that they said just resonated with me at that time. Um, I, I also believe our beliefs change as we grow, learn, evolve. Yes. Different things sit different well. Uh, sit uh, better with us but for me at that time everything they said just was and felt right Um, and uh, it got me through they got me through a real challenging situation to a large degree when I came up with a couple of opportunities to move overseas one of the reasons I came to this part of the world was there was a a Brahma Kumaris group here so I could continue that meditation which I did um, probably for another year or so and then you as I said learn grow and evolve but I think that highlights to me that sense of, you know, you go to a group, they say certain things, and you know there's that little voice when you go to maybe a training program that says, hmm, I don't think so. <laughs> and then there's that other little voice that says, yes, this sits well with me. Um, I went to a, a talk a couple of nights ago, and I was so excited because some of the things that were being said, I was just like making connections inside. It's like, yes, yes, yes. It was like sparks going off. And so I feel, you know, many people, when they have this belief of the afterlife, it just is. It just is. And of course, my mother was probably a great uh, influence on me. I, I was very blessed, had lovely, lovely parents, but my mother was very started to be interested in more esoteric uh, subjects. And she tells me that um, she used to take the train up to London in her sort of normal clothes and then change into sort of hippie gear in the the toilets up at Waterloo Station, go to philosophy classes with Gurdjieff and listen to all those kind of um, philosophers and then quickly change again and and come back home. But she also had a lot of um, friends who were psychics, um, psychic artists, to be honest with you, Sandra, at that time when I was young, I, I was a little bit frightened. I was scared of the dark. I used to sleep with a nightlight. Um, and and that introduced me to that kind of thing at a very young age. That's great. Not the fear. Yeah, it w- but it, it's, yeah, I would have, well, I, I think all of our journeys are perfect, just how we have them. Um, but just thinking of the benefit of, of living life with the confidence and that knowing from early, early age. Yes, and I guess that planted seeds that sort of created more curiosity in, in me, despite being a little bit scared of things at that time. Um, and, and I was also gifted in the fact that my mother uh, and, and parents, uh, sorry, I speak about my mother because she's still alive, my, my father isn't, um, and my mother or my parents gave me the gift of choosing my own beliefs. You know, we weren't forced into any particular religion or beliefs. It was very open. Um, and I'm often told that I was probably one of those babies that looked up at my parents, you know, from the cot, you know, thinking, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I do believe that every generation uh, supersedes the previous one in that, you know, children really are um, the gifts that are here to teach us, you know, and, and I think we see that with 
the way so many children are diagnosed with attention deficit disorder now. I'm not sure how you have an attention deficit. Um, and really, it's just that, you know, they learn so quickly and, you know, and in a different way than, you know, maybe we did. So that really, they have many gifts to share with us as we move into these this new energy, these new times. Mm, I'm just thinking about some of the stories that I've heard about children. And I, of course, we all know uh, when we're children, our minds are wide open and we find life an adventure and we want to play and we don't want to sleep. Uh, and then something happens when we get a little older and um, we start listening to some of the negative thoughts uh, in our minds. But I've heard so many stories about young children who remember a past life. Uh, yes, there's lots of studies on that now, I believe. There sure are, and that they're they're tapped into um, God, source, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, how easy it might be to diagnose a child as different and give it another term, but real, realizing that these are pure souls you know, um, and, and giving them a chance to speak and be heard and nurturing that uh, as opposed to thinking, well, there's something wrong with them and, and giving them some medication. Well, it allows that channel, that connection to stay open, um, you know, as long as possible. Whereas I think most of us, that, that channel, that connection gets shut down. And, you know, it's often when people have a near-death experience, it sort of um, opens, it, you know, it, it it opens them up to, oh my goodness, um, and to a remembrance of who we truly are. Mm. Carol, have you had, uh, I don't think you've had a near-death experience. I was reading just a little bit on your website. But have you had an out-of-body experience or something that Yes, um, a, a number of different experiences. Um, I remember, I'm sure you've read the Michael Newton books, Life, uh, Life Between Lives. Yes. And of course, being a trainer of hypnosis, um, Often people want to come for hypnosis for past life regression, and I also do something called timeline therapy. My question is always, for what purpose? You know, is uh, you want to link into or find a sort of genetic or ancestral line where there's maybe a block and heal it up now? Um, but I became interested in Michael Newton's books, um, and I just thought they were so fascinating that uh, I was immediately compelled to find somebody um, when I next went back to the UK um, who could take me through a, a, a life between life session. And it was really, uh, it was, it was quite, um, you know, it's one of those experiences that's almost beyond words, Sandra. I don't know if you've ever had um, a life between life I session. Not. No. Uh, so um, she was a, a wonderful woman. Um, and again, did a nice hypnotic induction. And, and what happens is they take you back to um, a previous lifetime. You share a little about it. And then they take you to the point of, of death. And it was quite bizarre. And, and I say this because I always have also a healthy degree of skepticism. Good. Um, which is, again, the reason why I like to seek search. And, uh, you know, I look for those experiences as well. Um and and so I do recall in in that experience when she took me to the death process, I could hardly breathe, and I knew I was was passing over, and it was something to do with you know a chest infection, coughing or anything. I was you know a, a poor young woman, and I've been heartbroken and whatever. So it wasn't a particularly nice uh, lifetime, and it wasn't a an a. a an easy death. It wasn't long though. But I do remember at the time that it was almost like I couldn't breathe. And then suddenly it was like whoosh, everything cleared. And so then you're guided, uh, you know, through the death experience. And it was almost as if I couldn't wait to be free. And then you also get to meet your, your soul group and ask questions. So it's an opportunity to also ask questions about your sole purpose in in what ways you may have chosen this specific lifetime and what you came here to do or to be or to share so it was very enlightening and I know I'm not sharing too much about it because as I said some of those powerful experiences are, are beyond words and I know we have like you know hundreds of thousands of words at our disposal but those experiences and and many of your listeners who've had these kind of experiences will also empathize with me that 
you know, people just will, will say, well, what was it like? What was it like? And it and it's beyond words. And some of the other experiences I've had have also been beyond words, but, but really in, incredible that start to open you up. So some of the other experiences that I, I really had, um, and, and I would say one of the most profound experiences of my life was with some of the indigenous medicines. Um, and some people are for those, some people are against them, and I know they're illegal in many parts of the world. But I had the opportunity to uh, spend time with a tribe in Ecuador. They're called the Achua tribe. They're a dream culture. Wow. And I went with the, I went with the Pachamama Alliance, which is a, an NGO, um, uh, a charity. And uh, it, we went to a very, I mean, when you fly in, you're going into the middle of the world. Uh, the heart and lungs of the world, and you know, if the weather permits, you can fly in, and if the weather doesn't permit, you can you fly out. And we were with a tribe who very rarely come out of the, the rainforest. Do not see many people from the the Western world, and we got an opportunity to spend time with them and and share some of their traditions. And as I said, they are a dream culture, so they get up early every morning, and then they drink a sort of tea made of the plants. Um, and they drink and drink and drink until their sort of belly really expands and then they purge um, because often in our culture purging is a bad thing but in their culture it's a good thing to get rid of any parasites, bacteria to cleanse your system yeah. and then they all sit around the fire and they share their dreams and of course <laughs> their dreams in their model of the world and our dreams from our model of the world are just so different, sure. so different because of their experiences. Uh, so that was a very powerful experience. But then we also had the opportunity to um, do ayahuasca. Now, we fasted all day. I was with, a, We were split into different groups. I was with a very, very small group, just six of us. Um, and we'd fasted all day. We were trekking or uh, we were in the rainforest. We were left by ourselves in the rainforest. Wow. Imagine that being left no. in the middle of the middle of the world completely alone. And I'm sure some of your listeners are saying, oh, but what about all the creepy crawlies and the animals and the bugs? Yes. But, <laughs> well, I normally would have been frightened. And again, I wasn't because, you know, the animals don't want to see you and you don't want to see them. So you just don't. And okay. then where we were led then when we came out of the rainforest to a beautiful clearing that I still classify as one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to in my, my life. And our shaman was called Sompa. And uh, we sort of each picked a banana leaf. And I don't know if you've done one of these experiences. No. Um, and I wasn't sure what to expect. Many people read up on these experiences. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I think it's best to go in with an open heart and an open mind. Yes. And that's what I went with. And this is when I did actually die, Sandra, because... Um, when I was going through the experience, I felt that I needed to die. And so I kept holding my breath to kind of like die. But every now, every time I held my breath, there came that moment where I had to go <gasps> right. and grab my breath again. And so, again, uh, it was almost instinctive. I knew I had to die and I knew the shaman wanted me to die. So I imagined myself drowning and I just drowned. So when you say, have I had a sort of death experience, in some ways that was it. I died, so a part of me sort of died, and then the visions started. Um, and for me, my visions were so profound, so profound, that they still guide me to this very day, and this is what, seven, eight years later, um, because I wanted to know what they meant, um, the shapes I'd seen, which linked to sacred geometry, which leads to the vector equilibrium, which leads to Metatron's cube, which leads to the flower of life, which leads to creation, which leads to sound. I mean, they still guide me, Sandra. So in some ways, did I have a near-death experience? I died in, in a way that allowed me to be reborn. And I feel that in many ways, so many of us have had near-death experiences, not in the way that we've had a bad accident or uh, an illness or dis-ease, 
However, we've all had times in our life when we've hit, you know, that block, that barrier, that crisis, or we've been unwell. And most of us are like, we just want to be well, we just want to be better, we just want to be out of this sort of doo-doo or whatever. It's when when, when we want things to go back the way they were. They the way they were. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's often in chaos and crisis that creates the evolution. And that's where for many of us, where we're, our heart and soul, our mind is wanting that desire to learn more, to be more, to see more uh, of the afterlife, the other side, to feel a deeper connection. And so, Sometimes these experiences where we're ill or create chaos in our life or we have a financial fall, a physical fall, a relationship crash, it actually creates that evolution. It's like a mini death um, where we get the opportunity to be reborn and uh, evolve and grow mm-hmm. and, and have a deeper connection with who we truly are. I've read many, many times that we get the most growth for our soul through suffering and through the toughest times, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, it's a bit aligned. of a shame, though, isn't it, that we can't <laughs> learn as much through those, you know, when, when, you know, the last time I was unwell, which is very, very rare, and it's like, well, you're, you're going through a growth process, it's like, oh, couldn't I have done this in a positive way? <laughs> I know, and I'm sure there are some, but. No, it is what it is, right? Let me just ask you, Carol, you had said um, that your experience doing the life between lives was beyond words. Uh, and uh, and also, I can imagine your, your visions um, from seven or eight years ago, uh, working with the dream culture, with the tribe, uh, similar. Um, but your memory of them, is it cl- like super clear? Um, and the only reason I ask this is I've spoken with many, many people who have had near-death experiences and they say the same thing it's beyond words but yet they remember them so crystal clear more so than than any other memory is that similar to your experience yes there's certain parts of it that are so clear Uh, you know when I was with the Achua tribe I did write down everything the next day Mm -hmm. and you know again when you describe what you saw what you heard what you felt um you know, people are just going to look at you and go, ooh, um, <laughs> because, again, it, it doesn't kind of make sense. And, of course, it doesn't make sense because, you know, you're in a place. So when you're doing a life between life session, you time ceases to exist. Um, you know, we're, we're not in a space and time go together. So if you're walking across the, the room, that's the space, and it takes time to walk from one side of the room to the other. But, of course, uh, when you're going into other, whether it's the astral plane, the etheric fields, um, you know, time collapses, space collapses. So the you're seeing everything, you know, in, in almost at one time. So when you're wanting to explain it, you're stretching it out. So there's certain things that you re- that really stick with you. Uh, certain things that I saw really stick with me uh, when I was from the the rainforest. Um, that I wrote down, I also drew, and you know, certain memories from that life between life ha- still stick with me. So, like the people you've interviewed before, yes, and it's just hard to put into words. The other year, I was in uh, Mexico, and I kept hearing the sound beyond the sound. There was music playing, and I didn't dare move because I could hear another sound. And some people say this is the music of the spheres. Um, and, it, you know, I so wanted to sort of sit up and say, can you hear that? Surely you can hear it. And I didn't dare, Sandra, because I didn't want it to stop because it was so beautiful. It was just so beautiful. It's incredible. And, of course, you know, all of us go to the astral and different um, planes at night when we sleep and dream. The challenge is, unfortunately, most of us do not remember it. Um, as a teacher, um and, and I know this through one of my spiritual mentors. Um, she said, oh, you teach at night, at night school. And she said, you've been to my classes as well. So every teacher um, teaches at night. Um, and she's challenged me to sort of, you know, set my intention of what I'm going to teach at night school. Now, uh, again, I share with you nice, healthy degree of skepticism here, Sandra. Mm-hmm. However, when I am more aware that I'm teaching at night school, uh, in other words, when I'm dreaming, I'm also running classes, but I also sometimes want to attend classes. And 
once you become more aware that this is what happens when you are a teacher, you'll find that when people come to your classes or your courses or for sessions, they say, I dreamt of you last night. Interesting. And, and of course they did because they came to one of your classes. Huh. I've not heard this before. There. So isn't that a wonderful way to, to learn that it means that if you're going to a course, then you can say, well, let me go to this teacher's night school um, so that when I go to the program, it, you know, some of it will already sort of ring true with me. It's like I would have heard some of it before. So, yes, most teachers teach at night on the astral levels. And this makes sense because, you know, we'll talk a bit about being human, but I do believe we are souls that have a human body, you know, but there's there's so much more. But I don't think our souls need to sleep at night. And why not continue the soul growth uh, while the body rests? And I also believe that, you know, we are too, too magnificent and we cannot, our, our physical body cannot hold all of us and all our energy. So there's parts of our souls that are going off and, and doing other things. I was um, learning, uh, I, I work with a pendulum as well sometimes, um, which is a lovely tool. And we often teach it in our hypnosis programs. Nothing woo-woo about it. It's a biofeedback um, device. Obviously, our thoughts are electric. Um, so it's responding to our thoughts and tapping into a higher level of consciousness. But I, I went to sort of learn a little bit more about it um, with something called spiritual response um, therapy. And I'd also gone for a session with the two women who run this program. And when they said, oh, um, your part of your soul is off saving a planet. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, it, you know, you'd think my eyes would, my eyebrows would have shot off and uh, shot up and gone. So my part of my soul is off saving a planet. And you know, it just sounded right. <laughs> Whereas other people would have gone, really? And it just sounded right. Yeah, part of my soul is off doing other things. So, you know, again, how wonderful at night to be able to connect with other parts of ourselves um, or tap into um, other realities um, that we may want to explore and and see if, if I always think, you know, there's a whole buffet for us to choose from. And we do really create our reality from that buffet. And if the world isn't as you want it right now, or if your life isn't the way you want it, you can work backwards in thinking, well, what's the energy, what's the feelings and what's the thoughts that I must be thinking to create this reality? And then, you know, literally a uh, setting an intention at night or when you meditate um, or visualize to think of it like a buffet and what you'd like to start placing in your world because we are all energy. I think it was Carl Sagan, wasn't he, who said we're all made of stardust. Yes. You know, that we're all um, connected to to everything. And, you know, if we're energy and energy creates matter, you know, and that energy, uh, you know, starts oscillating and vibrating at a certain frequency and speed and the, with the light and we start forming crystals at the etheric level and then you know it comes down and comes into matter i so believe this um yeah even just thinking that we are all just made up of vibrating energy right now with the illusion that we're real right <laughs> i often yes. say if you put a, a small camera into one of our um atoms that are make up our our cells and our being uh it wouldn't pick up anything because all we are is vibrating energy it's it, it's hard for the mind to get around um but i think it's important because once we get uh, or embrace that life after death is real. It's like, okay, well then what's this life about? And I, I love what you're speaking now that we can actually create it. And maybe we can uh, get into your latest book. And because um, I'm guessing that's what you're passionate about sharing and you uh, include a, a bunch of things in it. Um, can we can we talk about it or maybe even both Yes, books absolutely. And, and, and it is, um, you know, the tagline on the book. I mean, the book's called You, the Divine Genius, but love the tagline it. is you are more than you think you are. Love you know, it. we are more than our thoughts. And this is book one. So it it really sort of strays 
quite a sort of a, a gamut of subjects. So it starts first with, you know, your universe. This is how you experience the world through your five senses. You've got the brain in your head. So brain intelligence, heart intelligence, gut intelligence, even cell intelligence. Um, and, you know, you know, so to sort of put into context of how we really experience the world, yet it, you know, with all the intelligence within us, it, it begs the question that there's more because, you know, if you look at a, um, a paraplegic, well, that means that the spinal cord has been cut, then they shouldn't be able to, why is their heart still beating? Why are they still able to digest food or, you know, some, when something, there, there's a greater intelligence at work. And so uh, I wanted to give people the structure of this is how you currently experience the world. Mm -hmm. And then what do you need to let go of? Uh, what do you need to unlearn? Um, and, and you may have read that I often run firewalks, breakthrough events. And people often say, you know, why? Do we need more firewalkers in the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not, Sandra. But what it does show is the human potential because it's a – you know, belief that most of us have been taught that if you touch fire or walk across burning hot coals of 1700 degrees centigrade, then, you know, you'll, you'll be seriously hurt. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet, you know, I often get people come to these events and say, well, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, fine, sign the waiver anyway. But within an, a couple of hours, they're walking back and forth across those burning hot coals. And again, we go back to energy because one of the African tribes says, when your energy matches the energy of the fire, you will walk across unharmed. But more than that is it shows the human potential and the, the power of our beliefs and our beliefs of who we truly are. Um, you know, because if you can do that, it begs the question, what else can you do in your life? Right. So again, we need to start unlearning some of these patterns that we've been taught uh, by society, uh, through imprints, through our ancestors, through genetics. Um and again, look at what they're learning about, um, you know, there's epigenetics that you don't have to be tied by your genes anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, when you heal yourself, you can actually heal down the ancestral line. So again, those are some of the areas that I talk about. And then as we move through the book, I start talking about exploring. And exploring means exploring different brainwave cycles because different information is available at different brainwave um, cycles. So, you know, most of us live life in beta, which is a very narrow bandwidth of information. And probably because at school we were told, you know, pay attention, don't look out the window and daydream. Right. Yet actually, you know, where does inspiration and imagination come from when we're in alpha? And, you know, learning doesn't take place in beta. Learning, the learning state is alpha when we're sort of relaxed and you've switched or partially suspended your conscious mind with the analyzing, criticizing, judging. So I talk about hypnosis as well and then going into theta, delta. You know, a lot of people are, are very into theta healing has become very, very popular. Again, dropping into a different brainwave cycle, different information is available at different brainwave cycles. And then you get certain gurus in delta that when they're sort of wired up, you know, if they put a book an open book in another room and there there's a wall between them and that other room they can still read what's on the open book really? when asked why yes when they asked why they just say there are no barriers wow. there's no barriers there's no walls so this is when you know um we we're in a, a dimension of frequency whereby our body appears solid mm -hmm. uh, so again when you're changing and go into dimensional mastery then then sort of your reality changes because things don't necessarily need to appear so solid. So I talk about, you know, uh, exploring different brainwave cycles, whether that's through hypnosis. Um, shamanic journeying is also another area um, that I explored because with shamanic journeying, they, they had the lower world, the middle world and the upper world. And it's such a quick way to access information. And often when I was uh, writing the book, I'd often do a quick 15-minute shamanic journey. They, they use a certain drumming beat mm -hmm. that's very quick that shifts your brainwave state very, very quickly. Um, and um, then afterwards, when I'd come out of, of that, having got my response, I'd go into automatic writing, which is basically where you put pen to paper mm -hmm. and you just write. 
So it's not, you know, putting your pen to paper and expecting the pen to move. I know there are some people who can do that. Right. But this is where maybe you have a particular question in mind or you pick a certain um, card and you look at the image and you just start writing. No judgment. And it's incredible, Sandra, what you find you've written when you go to read it afterwards, but not judging it while you write it. Mm -hmm. So I have to say shamanic journeying, you know, there's there's visualization, there's meditation, there's um, hemi-sync where, you know, it's wonderful for stimulating and dropping you into different brainwave cycles with, with sound. Um, but uh, shamanic journeying is very quick in terms of getting getting answers, 15 minutes and kind of like you've got the answer that you want. Can the average person go on a shamanic journey? I just, I yes. Mean, uh, yes, how? it's not difficult. Huh? How? Um, well, um, there's, as I said, they, they believe in the lower world, the middle world, and the upper world. And um, the shamans have created certain pathways that allow you um, to find your way into the lower world, the middle world, or the upper world. Hmm. Now, the lower world is if you've got sort of um, a, a question uh, that you want answered, which may be a little bit more esoteric. The middle world, which is sort of the now, is if maybe you've lost your keys or something like that. Uh, the upper world would be if you want to connect with your guides or go to a uh, with angels, archangels, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you you choose what sort of question you have or what you want to ask, and then as I said, they they the shamans have created certain specific journeys, um, pathways. That, that you go through, that literally, once you've done them, they sound complicated, but once you've done them once, you can do it literally, I can get to the lower world in probably 15 seconds or less, and I'm there. <laughs> Very cool. Do you, do you talk more you, about this in your book, by the way? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Um, and I don't give the specific um, shamanic roots, uh, right. because that wouldn't be ethical to do that. Yeah, I and they're not difficult. And I was very blessed. I spoke to a, an amazing woman. She was called uh, Michelle Karen. Uh, it was for an astrology reading with a difference. And I knew that because within the first few moments when we, it was over the phone, the shamanic, uh, the astrology reading, she said, oh, the first thing she said was, oh, well, Carol, you've had many lifetimes as a high priestess. And I thought, oh, this is a different kind of astrological mm -hmm, reading, mm -hmm. <laughs> but one that I thought, well, I'm like this. Yes. Um, and it was so fascinating, but we, you know, I shared with you that I'm not clairaudient or clairvoyant, and I've always wanted, for many years, I wanted that kind of like the bells and the whistles, let me see everything, and, and to be okay with that's not my path. Um, and she was the one who suggested shamanic journeying. And because she takes people on shamanic journeying, um, I had another session where she actually gave me the journey paths into the lower world, the middle world, and the upper world. And subsequently, I went on a few shamanic um, courses to sort of just clarify that journey, get my power animals and things like that. So it's it's simple, it's easy, um, very powerful, very powerful. So I talk a little about that in the book. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the last part of the book um, – goes into creating a new universe. So this is where I go into sacred geometry, where so many people think, yes, nice shapes, so what? Yes, I have yes. no idea what sacred geometry is. Although, uh, yeah, I've, said, I've just said that. So what? Nice shapes. <laughs> yes, because they are. You know, it's like, oh, I think I'll buy that pendant. It's the flower of life. And, um, oh, look at that one. But what does it actually mean? What does it actually do? Yes. And so, you know, for me with the book, I wanted to make profound subjects simple. And what I even found myself with sacred geometry, you can dig yourself into a ditch because it goes on and on and on. Because really, it reflects the universe. Um, and you've got the microcosm and the macrocosm. So on the front of my book and throughout the book, I use the image of the spiral because the spiral, as I said, you can go infinitely small and you're always going outwards as well, which is what aren't, isn't that what we're doing in life? We're continually growing and expanding. It's never we arrive at a destination. You know, m most people say, oh, life is a journey. Yes. Uh -uh, I believe it's a dance. Um, because if it's a journey, you're waiting to get somewhere. So if if it's a dance, then you're in it at every moment. You're being present, which is what Eckhart Tolle talks mm -hmm. about in The Power of Now. 
So I talk about sacred geometry and again how it's reflected in everything in the universe. Then I go into sound, frequency and vibration because it's sound that creates form. So it's sound that brings form and and again with the field of cymatics um, and, and if you do some Google research on cymatics, there's some wonderful videos there that show you that sound creates form. And cymatics gives you a visual demonstration of what sound or frequency actually does. So, for example, Sandra, I've got sound bowls, uh, you know, those Tibetan metal sound bowls. Yes. If I put water and fill those sound bowls with water and then uh, use the mallet around the edge or the outside of the bowl, um, and it's a shame you can't see me because I'm actually doing this with my hand right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, but when, uh, as the bowl begins to vibrate, the water in the bowl also vibrates and starts showing certain shapes. Now, if you do that with, uh, say, a metal sheet and put sand on the sheet and, and then key in a frequency on that metal plate with sand on it, the sand will start vibrating and form the beautiful shapes that you see in sacred geometry. Oh. And again, Dr. Masuro Omoto yes. did many experiments where he showed that this is the power of our thoughts of vibration, our emotions of vibration and frequency, our words carry a certain frequency and vibration. So, you know, mind your language. Your language is more powerful than you'd know. Um, even the rose um, is a very high vibration flower. So if you're working with, you know, any essences, rose essence is a very high frequency. So again, I start to introduce people to the concept of um, sound, frequency and vibration. Sound creates matter. And then, of course, going into, you know, the law of attraction. And, you know, so many people say, yes, yes, I get it. The law of attraction. I just need to sort of get in vibrational alignment. And the question is, how? How do I get in vibrational alignment? Yes. So, again, getting back to the lovely book by, I think his name was Richard Dawkins, Power Versus Thought. And he worked in the field of kinesiology. Yeah. And kinesiology used muscle testing. Right. You know, which again links into the body's intelligence. And... Uh, you know, he showed the vibration um, of certain feelings that we emit. I'm very sad to say, and I talk about this in, in the book, one of the emotions that most people find so difficult is love hmm. and hold that, that feeling yes. and that vibration of love. And I, I spoke to one of my dear friends. He's in Canada. He's called David Gross. He's a channel. And uh, I was very blessed because I said, well, how do you channel? And this is what most people want to know. I said, how do you get into that vibration and alignment? And he had such a close relationship with his mother. He said, so what I do is I think of my mother. I feel the essence of my mother and the excitement of, you know, for many of us, it would be, uh, could be a mother, but it could be a lover or a partner, a love partner. And that feeling of being in love and that immediately puts him into vibrational alignment. So I cover all. You know, all those areas, right from this is how you experience the world now through your five senses, with your brain, with your heart, with your cells, all the way through to sacred geometry, sound, frequency, and vibration. And as I said, this is just book one. But my my goal, my intention was to start getting people to, again, realize that you are more than you think you are, your energy vibrating at a certain frequency. And once you start to shift that energy and this is where chaos and crisis comes along that it's unfortunately some of those negative experiences but the positive from those perceived negative experiences is they shake up your energy and that's often when we have our largest and biggest evolution mm. so doing rather than thinking oh this is this is bad it's actually embrace those times that they are offering you the biggest opportunity to grow, to evolve, and find a deeper connection with the afterlife, with soul, creator, source. We are creators. Mm, it's interesting, Carol, often when I've looked back at some of my toughest times in my life, I can see now, so many years beyond that, that I needed that to happen in order for this to happen and to be where I am now. 
So and when you're in the Stay midst of the chaos and crisis might not feel so good. But if we can have that trust and bring love to it. Um, and also see them as a gift. Yes. That they are a present in oh, the present. Wow. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Holding the vibration of love, you've made me just start visualizing and, and feeling uh, some people I love and even a pet that I loved and lost, but to hold that feeling of love. And then you had said earlier, picking from the buffet, uh, to, to choose some empowering things as opposed to some of the negative thoughts in the mind. Would adding the vibration of love on top of uh, visualizing something we want to have or um, kind of using the law of attraction on our benefit, would it... Would things go smoother if we added the vibration of love into making things happen in our life? Absolutely. And this is where, unfortunately, many of us are numb to our feelings. Uh, I mean, I even have some people that I know who are on antidepressants, which what, what do they do? They just sort of flatline you. And so the unfortunate thing is that many of us, you know, uh, cannot create the feeling before it actually happens. Mm. Um, so, and, and it all starts with our thoughts. You know, it starts with our thoughts and, and, uh, you know, having and setting that intention and then the feeling. So if love is a little bit too much, then start with feelings of certainty or feelings of happiness. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes, um, what I sometimes like to call these strawberry moments. You know, when you, you're eating a, a if you like strawberries. Yes. Or, chocolate it, you know think of a uh, a strawberry dipped in chocolate as a strawberry moment and think of you know maybe when good things happen to you writing that down so you know you've got a list of experiences that you can sort of look at that put you in those resourceful states again um and start operating from that uh, that vibration and of course some of the other ones that you hear again and again and again and I'm still going to say it again, forgiveness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness and gratitude are, again, um, hold such a high f- frequency and vibration. They really do. And, you know, the nice thing on uh, like attracts like, you know, so um, and the, there's a lovely experiment on vibration um, that when, when you play a, a particular string on a guitar, another guitar will vibrate at the same frequency but if you stop one guitar um you know if you hold the strings does the other one stop well it keeps going but when you release the first one it comes back to you it comes back to the first one now i say that because you know again we've heard this before what you send out into the world comes right back at you yes you know everything is a mirror and there was a wonderful book by a guy called um uh, gary renard um, and it's called The Disappearance of the Universe, yes. and it's based on A Course of Miracles. It's quite a, a chunky read. He's been on this show, so he's, he's oh, spoken he? it. Yes. Well, then, yeah. then, you know, again, if you come from the, um, the place of there is nothing out there, everything out there is just um, a reflection of, it, you know, it's a holographic universe, the world is a holograph of me. Right. Then means that everyone that you think has wronged you or anything it's just a a reflection to you as where do you need to forgive not that person you need to forgive yourself as well as that person and then it disappears it transmutes now i'm not saying this is easy and i'm sure gary renard also i know he's had some challenges in his life doesn't mean it's necessarily easy and this is you know we chose to be here to allow the creator to create and to be creators so that doesn't mean that when we have a negative experience, we still created it, but often that ignites the desire for something better as well. Mm, it's funny that you just brought, brought up uh, this about Gary. I had something happen last week, nothing major, but I got really angry at a person. <laughs> and I kept stewing on it and stewing on it and, of course, wanting them to change. And then it hit me that I, what if I created this for me like nobody else exists i created this and talk about having it vanish quickly i thought okay what's the lesson to learn here 
why did I create this if no one else exists? And there was self-forgiveness. There was, you know, it was like a mirror back at me. Sometime I had uh, you know, hurt another person. It was amazing. Um, and whether it's true or not, how fast forgiveness showed up, self-love, love for the other person and getting over it, you know. Whereas I well, you see that doing with people who create, you know, are in different relationships, but actually they're having the same relationship again until they recognize the pattern. Exactly. Another nice way to do this is to literally put your arm out with your thumb up. Um, so just stretch your, your right arm out in front of you, put your right thumb up like okay. a sort of like you're hitchhiking yeah. and then move that around you. And if you think that's, I mean, we're, we're part of everything, but if you think, you know, that's you. Everything in that bubble, if you put your arm out and draw a sort of circle around yourself, that's you. Everything the other side of your thumb is the theater, the stage, what you are creating. Mm. That's a lovely way to think about, oh, what, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? The other side of my thumb, that's what I've created. Uh, it starts to sort of uh, allow you to think, well, you know, uh, congratulations, Carol. You're a magnificent creator today. Um, hmm, Carol, some work needs to be done there. Exactly. Or pay attention. And isn't that the deliciousness of being, you know, coming into this uh, dimension to sort of learn, grow, and evolve? And there's always more. There's always more. And that's why I said it's it's a dance rather than a journey. We're never going to get there. <laughs> yes. And I love that it's a journey. And I also love I love the dance. I love that there are things like seminars and workshops and even reading your books. It, it's, you know, we could spend a lifetime and learn a lot for ourselves, but sometimes you read uh, about where someone else has walked, what they have done, and it, it can really move us up one step higher in our soul uh, evolution. So I'm excited to read your book. I, I know you've sent it to me. I haven't read it yet, but I'm very oh, excited. Okay. I will send it to you. Yeah. And for sure, I'll send it to you. Um, um, yeah. And and just, no just uh, time's almost up, but I want, if you wouldn't mind, uh, sharing your website and some of the things you're, you offer. And I am interested in, um, I know we don't have time for visualization now, but looking at those things because you are out to empower people to live their best life ever. I, I know you are just everything I've read about you and what we've talked about, but maybe let us know what are some of the tools that you have available besides your two books. Okay. Um, well, uh, two main websites. So if you go to caroltalbot.me, um, you can link um, to the books that I've written. Um, also my other book, which is called Breaking Through, um, there'll be a link to download the whole book for free. Um, with you, the divine genius, I've kept a link open, Sandra, and I'll keep it open for another month where if people order the book from Amazon, they'll also get access to about a hundred other gifts as well. We like gifts. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes, so do I. Um, and then um, on my other website, which is my company website for the NLP programs, that is matrix-training.com. So matrix like the movie and then dash training.com. Um, there's only three buttons there, NLP, products and breakthrough events. But if you go to products, there are about 12 different visualizations, uh, uh, hypnotic inductions, relaxation, self-esteem boost, boosters, confidence builders that you can download for free. They're all free. Thank you for that. Um, well, I think free is nice. <laughs> <laughs> free is nice. And free I'd also nice. just like to say, as much as you said, you know, it's about living our best life ever. You know, yes, we want to make this life our best and remembering that we've all had many 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 other lifetimes mm -hmm. and there's you know many different ways and wonderful people out there who are also helping us tap into resources from other lifetimes that we can use now and we tend to because we live in a linear world of past present future you know it's all there we're living other realities right now that we can tap into and bring those resources now so you know for people who do want to write a book and feel they haven't got the resources tap into a, another lifetime where you did that is amazing that that's possible i'm sure it is <laughs> amazing carol talbot thank you for being our guest today Oh, my pleasure. And, and thank you for being such a, a wonderful host. Thank you so much for creating this platform and sharing. Oh, you're most welcome. I am left from this 
conversation wanting more and wanting to do some more research and and um and I think that's the best gift because like you had said at the beginning what what resonates with you what's the truth to you you go to so many different things and you know what holds true and I think for each one of us to find our own truths to find that yes. thing that inspires us and to go for it and I know for myself you know I I love these adventures and I love um miracles and I love synchronicities and I love just even the thought of adding or holding the vibration of love uh, and that's going to feel good and to produce some results and to create things in the world I mean what could be better than that well I think we're both in a nice feeling now because we're both inspired by the conversation hopefully your listeners will be that they'll be holding a great vibration and frequency Mm. and emitting that into the world because they feel good as a result of listening to these shows Awesome. And I want to remind our listener that you can visit Carol's uh, website, caroltalbot.me, or simply go to wedontdieradio.com, click on episode 146. And the books that she mentioned and the resources and her websites are all linked to that page, uh, wedontdieradio.com, episode 146. So with ease, you can connect and order her book or uh, do one of her free downloads, whatever you need, it's there. So in closing, I first of all want to thank Carol for being here. I want to thank Carol for her inspiration and for the difference that you're making on planet Earth and so many lives. And for you, our listener, thank you for spending this last hour with us. And as Carol just mentioned, this episode and others, my goal at the end of each one is to leave each one of us empowered to live our life with some new tools to go for it to feel good to know that you're not alone to know that uh, life after death is a reality your loved ones are just fine you're going to meet up again this life is for you so in closing i just want to say thank you for being here Uh, my name is sandra champlain and i've been your host on we don't die radio and i do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and as carol says life is a dance it's not a journey it's a dance i love that our lives here on earth are important so i want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon